It's such a privilege and an honor that I am selected or elected to do this. And so I have had the privilege of watching over this life for 20 years. I have seen growth. I've seen development. I can say this without a doubt. Um, this young lady is becoming everything that God has destined her to be. I'm so excited that I have had the privilege to be a part of her journey. And we just hung out and spent some time together and it just was a refresher and a reminder that when God trusts you with a gift in your hands, you have a responsibility to do everything possible to shape the gift. You don't always have the right to try to make the gift something he didn't intend for it to be. So we've had some wonderful times together, some wonderful challenges. I'm going to ask Miss Lenora Stewart if she would come and bring the word to us this morning. to give the word today. I might not look it, it's because I asked him not to give a sappy introduction, but he did it anyway. <laughs> but yes, I'm very excited to give the word to you all today. I'm glad that um, Mr. Aaron and the team decided to choose me to give you all the word for this youth Sunday. I've been having this word in my heart for a little while now, and I'm, I'm just super excited to share it with you all. Um, so just bear with me as I continue my with my lesson. So today my message is called His Undeserving Grace. And it's interesting I decided to choose this because uh, as you may know I've been in college for about 2 years now and college is really different. College has really been um, a test against my religion, my faith, um, my values, beliefs, everything. Um, it's been a great experience, but it's really tested me in, with that. And now that it's summer, I feel like this has been a great time for me to rebuild my foundation in Christ and with God so that I can go into my third year with a better and stronger foundation. And so I've been taking the time to get more into the word and to really um, build my, rebuild my relationship with God and do some things differently. And so I've been um, listening to more messages recently, and that's where this message came for me today to share with you all Sunday. And so grace just continues to pop up, even with the song that the kids just sang earlier, they were singing about grace. And so it's just, it's so interesting how God will work in your life like that and, um, and make you think about or drop this, this in your spirit about um, something that you need to share or something that you, you're going through in your life. So I'm going to get started. Can we all take out our Bibles and raise it up, and we'll do the confession. And just repeat after me. In the name of, this is my Bible. Sorry. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. 
I have what it says I have. Today I receive the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. As I receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, I will never be the same. All right. And so I also want to give thanks to, of course, my parents for um, building me up and raising me to be the woman that I am becoming today. Also, I give thanks to God for, um, once again, dropping this message in my spirit and just continuing to be with me throughout my life as I experience his grace in my life as well. All right, so let's get started. What is grace? I feel like that's a good place to start. So we all have heard the song Amazing Grace, of course. Everyone pretty much knows all the words to that song. But have you all truly taken the time to understand what Amazing Grace is? Let me help you understand that. So amazing, the word amazing means unusual, doesn't make sense, abstract, and over the top. So amazing is, is the descriptive word to grace. So how would we define grace? Well, grace can be looked at as an action. It is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. So if we put those two definitions together to get amazing grace, we would, we would hear the unbelievable, undeserved, unearned kindness, over-the-top favor of God. So now that we have this understanding of what grace is, it's important to also ask ourselves what grace does for us. So I have grace is something that empowers us. Grace saves us, grace keeps us, and grace gets us out of messy situations. So today in my message, um, we're going to just dig a little bit deeper on what God, how God wants us to understand um, grace. And so my main scripture today is out of Hebrews 4.16. Um, I'm sorry, I need to grab my phone. Isaiah, can you pass my phone? I got to read out of Hebrews 4.16 real quick. <laughs> and you all can turn, turn in the Bible with me there so we can read together. And once you have the scripture, you can just say amen. Hebrews 4.16. Okay. So in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne, where there is grace, there we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Century Version so um, we can all understand a little better. This is for my teens and my children because I understand this version better is the best. So now that we, under, we understand what amazing grace is, we understand what it does for us, let's talk about how we are able to receive grace. So in Ephesians 2, verse 6, 
You can all turn there with me, but I'm going to be reading it for you anyways. It says, you have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourself. It was a gift from God. But let's back up in the scripture a little bit. In Ephesians 2, 7, it actually says, He did this for those in Christ so that for all future time he could show the very great riches of his grace by being kind to us in Jesus. So who wouldn't want the riches of God that he would give to us? He's literally offering it to us for free. But in order to receive the riches of God, he says we have to believe. That's all we have to do, have faith in God, and then we receive his riches and we receive his grace. So going back to uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8, once again, he says, You have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourself. It was a gift from God. And then continuing in Ephesians 2, verse 9, it says, It was not the result of your own efforts. Let me read that again because people have a hard time understanding this. It was not the result of your own efforts, so you cannot brag about it. God has made us to do good works, which he has already planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. So really what we just heard is that God's grace is a gift that he gives to us. So let's talk about a gift real fast. A gift is something that's willingly given to someone without payment. You don't have to earn a gift or do something, to go out of your way to do something to, for somebody to give you a gift. That's something that's given freely out of the kindness of their own hearts. And so God's grace is a gift that is given willingly, which means you don't have to do anything to deserve it. He just gives it to you because he wants to. He's that good of a God. But the, the thing with a gift, though, also is you don't have to receive a gift. You can, you can turn down a gift, which I know there's a lot of people out here when people want to give us a gift. Oh, no, you don't have to. Oh, thank you so much, but it's okay. Or, oh, thank you for this gift. What can I do for you any, any other time? But that's not what God is asking us to do. God is just trying to give us this gift of grace just because we what? Because we believe in him, because we put our faith in him. So he, this is one of the riches that he chooses to give to us without us having to do anything. So if we're receiving his grace because of the things we do, then that would be us taking the glory that should belong to him, correct? Right. And we all sing the glory belongs to him, and we all know all glory belongs to him. So why are we expecting to receive grace because of our works? So... Just to reiterate, God wants, us, God wants to give us his grace, but first we need to be saved. And this is exactly why God will chase after us to build this relationship with us, because he wants to, he wants to give us the riches, he wants to give us his grace, but he needs that relationship with us first. So he'll always be right there knocking on the doors of your heart. Hey, are you ready to receive me? Because I'm ready to give you everything that I have for you. And no matter how many times you turn him, turn him down, he'll respectfully, okay, 
That's fine. I'll be here tomorrow to knock on the doors of your heart again because I have something I want to give to you, and I'm just waiting for you to, to reach out and, and ask for me to come into your life. But then it's, it's so interesting how we'll receive God, we'll receive his grace, and everything's going well in our life. And so now we start to act like we don't need him. Like, oh, God, thank you for the job. I got it from here now. I'll, I'll do everything now. I got this. But can you all imagine what life would be like, what relationships would be like, what jobs would be like if we continue to ask God for his grace throughout the entire process and not just in the beginning when we're looking for that job, when we're looking for that husband, we're, we're looking for something better to change in our life. How would your life be if you continue to ask God to be with you throughout the entire process? And then one of my favorite things about grace is that it's equally given to everyone. So just because you have the mansion and the nice car and the great job doesn't mean you're going to be receiving a better or a more extravagant grace than the person who's out here smoking and drinking every single day. Because y'all will be receiving the same kind of grace that God has given to all of us. And either way, no matter what we're doing, what job we have, what car we're driving, God is still, we still don't deserve the grace that God is going to be given to us. And this is why we say that grace is unearned, grace is a gift from God, and it will never be earned. So let's talk a little bit about this. Do I have to be righteous? to receive God's grace. Let's touch a, a little bit on what it means to be righteous. Because if anybody's going to deserve grace, it would be a righteous man, we would think, right? So to be righteous means to be in right standing with God. So let me ask you all this. Is one righteous because they do right things, or does one do right things because they are righteous? Let me say it in, in um, a different way so we can understand it a little better. Ready? Is one right with God because one does right things? Or does one do right things because through grace they are made right with God? See, when you give your life to Christ, you start wanting to do the right thing and living the right way just because this is your good God and that's how he expects you to live. And if we're made righteous people because and we're doing and we're made, we're made righteous people and we're made right with God, does that mean that we're undeserving of his grace if we start doing unrighteous things? But see, God says it's not about the actions it's not about what you do. It's not about what you have done. It's about where your heart is with God. And if, you're afraid, if, if your faith is in Jesus Christ or not, he doesn't care about the actions. He's already taken care of and knows what your actions are going to be like. He's worried about, do you love me? Do you accept me as your Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior? And we all think that our actions make us worth something. We have this new idea of, oh, I have this great job, and oh, I have all these materialistic things. But that's only worth something in the real world where we've created this idea of wealth. 
that's not what God looks at when it comes to, oh, she deserves my grace, my love, my kindness, and things like that. He looks at what our, where our hearts are at with him and, what we're, and where we are with him, not about what we have and what we're doing. So if being righteous means to be right with God, that means we're always going to be right with God if we're believing in him. No matter what we're doing and if we're doing unrighteous things, we're always going to be made right with God as long as he's in our lives. But the thing is, whenever we're doing these unrighteous things, that's when we seem to push God away the most. It's like, okay, Lord, I, I know you saw me drinking and... I'm ashamed of that now, so let me just give you some space because I don't deserve everything that you've done for me or everything that you're going to continue to do for me because my actions aren't aligning with what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So that's why we start pushing him away like, God, okay, like, let me just get my life right before I get back to you. But that's really when God wants us to be in the midst of him most because God is the only one who can save us from our situations for real. We can't save ourselves from some of the situations we've been in. I've heard friends get in all kinds of crazy mess, and, and even myself getting in, involved in all kinds of crazy things. And it's not me that saves myself, or it's not my parents who comes to my rescue to save, to, save myself, to save my situation, but it's really God who I have to rely on. So it's just important that we open ourselves and we open our heart to let God use his grace come into our life and, and get us out of some of the situations or even continue to um, be blessed in some of the situations that we're in. And it's interesting how every time we choose to be rebellious and participate in sin, God continues to bless us and forgive us because he's just a great God and we know he loves us over and abundantly. And God uses his grace to take into account all the sins that, we were already, that he knew we would already commit. He already knew that we would be sinning every day. We, he says that in the Bible. We all knew that we sin every day, but he uses his grace to already cover that. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you all can take a look at that scripture if you'd like. Um, I'm going to read it here, though. It says, Christ had no sin. But God made him become sin so that in Christ we could become right with God. So really what that's saying is God made his perfect creation who had never sinned before and sent him onto the earth where sin was everywhere. And he said, Jesus, I need you to become sin for my people so that you can take, you can take sin off the earth that's what he did when he resurrected. He basically took the sin with him so that we could be made right in Christ and we could receive his grace for all the sins that we, God already knew we were going to do so that we wouldn't even have to worry about that. <laughs> and so that's what we know as saving grace, his grace that saves us. Jesus came down and saved us. But it can also be looked at as sustaining grace because the grace that saved us from that situation in the past is going to be the grace that saves us from our situations in the future. And it's the same grace that's going to be sufficient throughout our entire lives. So I just want to take a moment to uh, show you all some examples of grace when we don't even realize it's working in our life. 
Can I ask you something? Sure. Promise me you won't get mad. I promise. Why did you let so much stuff happen to me? What do you mean? Well, I woke up late. Mm-hmm. My car took forever to start. Okay. At lunch, they made my sandwich wrong, and I had to wait. Mm-hmm. On the way home, my phone went dead just as I picked up a call. All right. And to top all of that off, when I got home, I just wanted to soak my feet in this new foot massager and relax, but it wouldn't work. Nothing went right today. Why did you do that? I see. Well, let me tell you. The death angel was at your bed this morning, and I had to send one of my angels to battle him for your life. I let you sleep through that. Um. I also didn't let your car start because there was a drunken driver on your route that would have hit you if you were on the road. Mind you, the first person who made your sandwich today was sick, and I didn't want you to catch what they had. I knew you couldn't afford to miss work. Your phone went dead because the person that was calling was going to give you false witness about what you said on that call. I didn't even let you talk to them so that you would be covered. I see. Oh, yeah, and, and that foot massager. It had a shortage that was going to throw out all the power in your house. I didn't want you to be in the dark tonight. I'm sorry. Look, it's not about being sorry. Don't be sorry. Just learn to trust me. And in all things, the good and the bad, believe in me. I will trust you. And don't doubt that my plan for your day is always better than your plan. I won't. And let me just tell you, God, thank you for everything that you did for me today. You're welcome, child. It was just another day being your God, and I love looking after my children. first read that I was on Twitter one day and I literally I started to cry this was one day in college when I was reading that because I just began to think about all the things that God probably saved me from that he used his grace on that I would have never known and let me tell you I've been to parties while I'm at college I've drunk while I've, I've been at college I've had friends drinking and driving while while they were out and about and things like that. And I just continue to think about how good my God is for saving me from people who might have been drinking and driving while I was on the road, from saving me from anything happening while I've been at this party, anything slipping into my drink, any drugs that could have gotten to my system that he didn't allow to happen. Anytime when the devil was trying to beat me down with something that God sent one of his angels to come fight the battle for me already so I didn't have to do it myself. It's like it's almost unimaginable, just like what it says, amazing grace on how many times God saves us or God steps into a position to block out something from happening to us. So I also wanted to share a couple stories about grace 
that comes up in the Bible. So if you would turn with me to Genesis 4, verse 2, and you can say amen when you're there. Genesis 4, verse 2. So most of us might know this story about Cain and Abel, the brothers. So Cain and Abel, one day they're going out to the land where um, their father has put them in charge of, and Cain or Abel brings um, God an offering, and Cain or Abel decides to bring God his greatest gift of, of one of his from one of his flocks, and so Cain decided to bring like his mediocre um, thing, like food from his land. And so when Abel brought it to God, God accepted it with joy and gladness because he gave from his greatest flocks. Whereas when Cain gave him his offering, he, ex he, he didn't accept it. He didn't want it because it was mediocre. It wasn't his best like his brother had done. And so Cain got jealous and he took his brother Abel away from, from where the, the land is, and he killed him. And so when Cain returns without his brother and God asks, Cain, where's Abel? He tries to lie in front of God's face, saying he doesn't know. But we all know God sees everything that we do. So why are we even lying to him like this? So God says, um, he let me just look real quick. God says, because of, his because of his actions, his work will be cursed. He will never grow crops again, and he will be a wanderer on earth. So then if we hop down to Genesis 4.13, Cain says, This punishment is more than I can stand. Today you have forced me to stop working the ground, and now I must hide from you? I must wander around the earth, and anyone who meets, who meets me can kill me. Genesis 4.15, but God says, no. If anyone kills you, I will punish that person seven times more. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, warning anyone who met him not to kill him. Now, y'all, if this isn't grace at its finest, I don't know what is. Cain just killed his brother, and God still chose to protect him after all he had just done. Not only did he kill his brother, he just lied in God's face about it. But God said he'll cover and protect you and make sure who, no one tries to kill him. And then not only that, if they do, then they get it seven times worse than what how Cain just got it. Like... It's just like, can you all wrap your heads around the way God works when, when we don't deserve his grace, when we're doing things that are undeserving, he still decides to give it to us. But what I love about God, because he's such a good God of discipline, he still allows the consequence to happen. You don't get to run away from the consequence. So now, so now Cain is out here, and he, he'll never have um, crops grow from his land again, but he's still protected under God. So it's not, 
It's not as bad as he could have gotten it because grace stepped in, but he still has to endure the consequence and learn from his mistakes. And that's exactly what, God, what, what happens in our lives. And God, God allows us to endure our consequences because you can't run from that. You still need to learn. But he'll, he'll minimize it and make it not as great as the consequence should have been or could have been. So let me, let me take it a little step closer to home. Children or kids, all of us, we've all been through this. When we are going out with our friends, when we weren't supposed to, we didn't do our chores. We, we forgot to clean the room, clean the bathroom, stuff like that. And then we go out with our friends when we're not supposed to. We were supposed to do that before we left. And we get back, and instead of us getting, um, instead of us getting grounded, we just have a little quick talk with mom and dad about what we should have done. That's grace at its finest right there. And it might be small, but it was still grace because it could have been much worse than what it should have been. But this time around, God saved you. <laughs> right. To my young adults and adults, we shouldn't have been messing around with that boy or that girl. We shouldn't have been getting involved sexually or emotionally the way that we just did. We, and what could have happened, pregnancy, STD, STI, all these things that could have happened, but God's grace stepped in and covered that and blocked that from you. And so you didn't have to experience it. You might have gotten heartbroken, or you might have had to, to step away from the relationship, but imagine all the things that God actually saved you from because his grace stepped in. And let's talk to my adults real fast. <laughs> to my adults, we were at work, had all these assignments to finish, but no, instead we wanted to be on our phone a little bit, check out Facebook, maybe do a quick live video. <laughs> and so now your boss is looking for the work that you needed to, to have, and you should have been fired because they needed it today. They needed it yesterday, matter of fact, and you still haven't even touched it. But God said, my grace will cover you, and you get a couple more days. It's the consequence isn't as bad as it should have been, but, beca but because God stepped in, you, you get it a little less. But you still have to endure it because God needs you to learn something from what you've been through. But he saves you with his grace so that it's not as bad as it could have been. So another story, if we all would turn to Genesis 37, verse 18, and say amen when you're there. Genesis 37, verse 18. Awesome. All right, so you all can read. I'm going to summarize. So Joseph had been favored by his dad, Jacob, and he also had 12 brothers that hated that he was favored, which is why one day they decided to take him out, and they were going to kill his brother. 
But one of them decided, no, no, this is still our brother. We love him. We're not going to kill him. Let's just sell him as a slave. So Joseph is sold as a slave, and he goes um, in, into, he goes into, is it Egypt? I'm sorry. I'm, okay, into Egypt. <laughs> he goes into Egypt, and he eventually gets imprisoned. And he's imprisoned for years. Until one day, God puts a word in the Pharaoh's heart saying, oh, I have somebody for you um, in prison who can read your dreams and things like that. And so eventually, Joseph is, is made one of the most powerful men of Egypt. He's second under the Pharaoh. And we all know that one day God spoke to Joseph and told him that there was going to be a drought and there was going to be um, abundance of crops growing and things like that. So at the time of the drought, we have Joseph, Joseph's 12 brothers who come looking for food. And they don't recognize Joseph at all, but Joseph knows who they are. And so when they ask for food, at first, Joseph is, is kind of testing them, making sure that, they, that his brothers are changed men and, and um, aren't how they used to be when they first sold him into slavery and things like that. But then when Joseph decided to let them know that he was their brother, he so graciously said, oh, I want you to move into Egypt, bring all of the family, you can have all the food you ever need, you can have all the land you could ever want, and you can actually come into the palace and eat with me for all the days of your life. So this is where God stepped in once again with grace. Because he had a plan for Joseph's life to be king, and that was used for his brothers to, to reap the, um, the wealth that Joseph was able to reap as well, when they should have deserved something else for trying to kill his brother and lying to his dad and lying to God and being deceiving, they ended up with the greatest of land, the most, the most food they could ever even endure during this time of drought and eating with, with the kings in the palace. And that's, that's grace once again at its finest. They didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve the land. They didn't deserve the food. They didn't even deserve to be back in Joseph's presence like that. But God allowed a way to make that happen so that they could still receive even after the actions that they had done, which is why God says it's not about your actions. It's not about what you have. It's not, that's not what I'm looking for. It's about that you put your faith in me and you put your belief in me and that you trust in me and that you love me. And that's when I will give you the grace and the riches that I have for you. So as I was reading this, I was thinking, um, oh, they might, add, they might try to wonder, like, oh, we have grace, so why can't we live however we want? Why can't I go party because I know God will forgive me? Why can't I go drink and do drugs and do this and that? Because God will forgive me. God's grace is on my life. I believe in him, so it's, it's fine. But just because we have God's grace, that doesn't mean we can manipulate what he's given us, this free gift that he's given us to use it in a way that's for us and not for his glory. So let's turn to Romans 6, 1 and read what that says real quick. You all can say amen when you're there. That's Romans 6, 1. 
afternoon. Okay. So Romans 6.1, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin through baptismal, how can we continue to live in it? So what that scripture is saying is, we shouldn't continue to be living in sin, living how we want, just because God's grace is over our lives, because Jesus already died for our sins, and he took that up with him, so it's not on earth, so we can't continue to live in sin when he's already died for us, and we've already created a new life in Christ, so we, can't, we have to live through Christ, just as we say we do when we're getting baptized or even receiving God as our Lord and Savior in our life. And so, if we continue down Romans 6, 12 through 14, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, completely to God. <laughs> For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So just right there in, in Romans, God is saying we shouldn't be living in sin. We shouldn't be living how we want to. We need to be living in Christ and give in and everything that we do, we bring glory to God. So now that we've been saved by God's grace so that we can live in, in freedom from our sins, now we're able to carry out our purpose that's here, that we have here on earth. And so in the Old Testament, it was said that people had to find grace. But now in the New Testament, it says grace finds us when we receive God and Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so just to give a little bit more revelation on why we can't live any kind of way while we're here on earth just because grace is with us. It says in the Bible, there is a judgment day and on that day, God will be judging us accordingly. And it's funny because we all will say, oh, you can't judge me. Only God can do that. And we never really realize that God is actually going to be judging you. Like, I was reading this scripture, and I'm like, yeah, only God can judge me. Okay, but God is really going to be looking at what I'm doing while I'm here on earth. Like, I actually really do need to be living right because he's going to be counting those times that I did this, that, and that that was good. And he's going to be tining, counting the times that I did this, that, and that that was not good. So God is going to be judging us by what we do on earth, whether it is good or evil, and that actually affects how we will be living in heaven. In Revelation twenty-two twelve, you all can um, write that in your notes and go back to it and take a look. It says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my rewards with me to repay all people to the, according to their deeds. So basically what that's saying is it's still important that we're living to serve God, we're giving our tithe and offering, we're loving his people, we're praying, we're helping those in need, 
We're doing all these things to serve God so that he's able to, on judgment day, say, oh, Lenora, thank you so much for doing this, this, and this. And because you did that, oh, let me give you that house that you've been dreaming of, and it's going to be waiting for you in heaven. You can just walk up to it. And we all know, in order to go to heaven, all we have to do is accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. But in order to receive his riches in heaven and what we really desire in heaven, that is based on what we're doing here on earth. And I never realized that, that our riches are in heaven are based on what we're doing in earth. So if you're looking to have all those things in heaven, your cars, your, your clothes, your, um, your houses, whatever you're, you're looking to have while you're in heaven, that, de- that is dependent on how we're living here on earth. Because we can still have the mansions in heaven, but it might not be as great as how we imagine it because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. So what God is trying to say is it's okay that we messed up. It's okay that we've been in sin. It's no need to be hard on, your, on yourself. I've already, I've already washed that away. I already took care of it. Jesus already came down and took care of it. Just let my grace be in your life. Accept me so that my grace can, can wash away those things and you can be made new through me. I already knew what you were going to do. I already knew you were going to sin. This is done every day. So stop worrying about, stop thinking about what you just did yesterday. It, that doesn't even matter to me anymore. I'm not worried about that. Let my grace already come in and you're already forgiven. I just want to thank God for just the grace that he's put on in my life. Um, he's just been such a great God to me, honestly. And I know he's probably done the same for you all, but like just hearing my message again and just working on it, I, I can't even believe all that he's done for my life. And many of you might not know some of the things that I've been through, but I've been through a lot. I'm not perfect. I've sinned. I've, I've done things I probably wasn't supposed to do. I definitely wasn't supposed to do. But I'm just so thankful of his grace that, that, came, that I've allowed and accepted on my life so that I can move past what I've already done and continue to move forward in Christ.